I love the words and message of that song. That it is only after the grapes are crushed that they are no longer what they had been ahead of time. That what God intended them to produce can be produced. And the same thing is true for us. It's only after that surrender and it's us taken away. In our surrender, can we be who and what God has created us to be? The line that just keeps coming at me in that song was, make me whatever you want me to be. It's not the prayer to say, Lord, here's what I want. The prayer needs to be, Lord, what do you desire of me, in me, and through me? Make something new. Because contrary to what our culture tells us, we come to him with nothing. And we got a lot of stuff. <laughs> we think there's a lot of things but we really come with nothing. And when we surrender it, then he makes so much more out of than we could ever do. That's why he has called us to a new work, to a new life, to a new way. In fact, as a body together, he's called us to be a new church as a part of his church. That's not dismissing what was, but instead it is seeking, grasping, running after what he has for us now. Same old message, brand new day. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me or your Bible on your devices. In the New Testament, we're gonna be looking at three different places John chapter 13, which is the foundation for this series. We're also going to be looking at Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I love my church. It's his church, though. That's really a bad phrase and a bad title. And whatever pastor thought of that, that's really bad. But we understand that we take some ownership as long as we realize he owns it all. <laughs> but we need to be invested in it. I love my church. But only if we are who and what he called us to be. Now take a look here in John chapter 13, our foundation two verses for this whole series. Jesus speaking and he said, a new commandment, I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And by this, all people will know you are my disciples if you love one another. If we love one another. We've been looking at how do you prove this? to be his church, to be his disciples. We prove it by how we love. We prove it by how we live. And then Romans chapter 12 is 
one of these classic passages of Scripture that talks about what God has provided in each of us to serve and love. Beginning at verse 3, Romans chapter 12 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Just time out for a second. Turn to somebody near you and just say, don't think so much of yourself. Some of you enjoyed that too much, by the way. But let's make sure we put it in context, okay? He says, but do think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 4 says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. You see, if we're going to love our church, and be the church, if we're going to prove to others that we're disciples of Christ by loving one another, we show love by serving others. Our love for Christ shows up in serving others. And we looked at John chapter 13 earlier in the chapter a few weeks ago in the example of Christ washing the feet of the disciples which is the ultimate example of serving. We've been called to serve others. Not just one another, those who are here, those who are like-minded, but to serve others. Remember, Jesus served the disciples who were about to betray him. Jesus washed the feet of Judas, who was about to sell him out, literally. But we don't all think alike, do we? And this passage that we read from Romans and from 1 Corinthians tells us we're not all gifted the same. We don't all have the same abilities. We don't all think alike. I mean, some of you think wrongly at times. You may think I think wrongly at times. I mean, some of us like and believe in the left. Some of us like and believe in the right. We are not all the same. Now, I don't know what you were thinking of when I talked about the right and the left. But I was actually thinking of Twix bars. Did something else come to your mind? 
we aren't all the same. That's okay. In fact, much of it is by design. And God has designed the body of Christ, the church, so that if all of us do our function, though different, the body functions as one. It was never more evident than on Monday at that preparation for a funeral. The visitation, the service, the meal, the cleanup, and everything. There were people who did so many different things. Some did things that others couldn't. Some did things that others wouldn't. But all of it was for one purpose. It was a microcosm in my mind for the church. We have people gifted who come up here every Sunday and play and sing. Some of us would love to be up here, but no one else would love for us to be up here. Because that's not our gift. Some of us are uniquely gifted to sing in front of others when no one else is around. But we are all called to worship and to praise, to make a joyful noise. There are some who are gifted in leading and teaching. Not all. Though we all lead by our example, by our witness and our testimony. Those gifts that were listed in Romans chapter 12, not an exhaustive list, but kind of a foundational list of the gifts is what we call it. It means the abilities that God has given to certain ones to supernaturally do more in those areas that we are all called to do many of those things. It's how it fits together. You may remember a few weeks ago, I talked about the fact that when the body of Christ is missing a part, a member, or when one part is hurting, diseased, or broken, the body may still function, but we function with a limp. God really didn't design the church to limp. He brings healing. He provides. We each need to find our place. Now, that doesn't mean that we're able to then say, well, this is my spot and I don't do anything over there. That's not the issue. Because it's working together. At times, lifting one another. And all of it is showing the love of Jesus by serving others. So if we're going to serve others, if we're going to be his church and love the church that he has designed, what do we need to do? First of all, we must follow the example of Christ. John 13, beginning at verse 12, when he knelt down and washed the disciples' feet. Follow the example of Christ. In fact, if you ever have a question about anything you're supposed to do as a follower of Christ, just think, how would Jesus do this and do that? You're not going to go wrong there. Follow the example of Christ, and especially in this area of loving and serving. To follow the example of Christ means you're going to serve humbly. See, we, <laughs> we've got enough people who are serving 
declaring themselves to be humble, but want you to know how humble they are. They're the ones who want you to buy their book, How I Became Humble. It's not really humility when we're lifting ourselves. In fact, it's not really humility if I'm worried about even being noticed while I serve. Ouch. To serve humbly. Did you notice that none of the disciples thanked Jesus for washing their feet? Not one of them. In fact, Peter was like, no, 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 don't do that. And Jesus served anyway, even though they didn't thank him. We need to serve humbly as he did, and we need to serve everyone like he did. Regardless of any differences or past issues. Some of us have trouble serving because we're holding on to too much bitterness. Our hands are full. We can't serve. To be able to serve, we got to let go of all that stuff. In fact, what I've discovered is the more I serve, the less interested in any of that other stuff that I am. The more I served, I have no desire to pick the other junk up. I'm too busy serving. And holding on to bitterness, holding on to those memories where someone has done us wrong, or we were left out, or our name wasn't on the list, the pastor didn't thank us like he did the others. The more we hold on to that, the less we'll serve because we're holding the wrong stuff. I love my church. And if I'm going to show that love by serving others, I've got to follow the example of Christ. Secondly, I must use the gifts that God has provided. Romans chapter 12 gives a a foundational list. When I've done studies on this and, and the different arguments, and I'm not about to argue with anybody about exactly how many spiritual gifts there may be anywhere from seven or eight to 23 or 24. And anything God has provided for you to do, if you do it for the glory of God, is basically a spiritual gift. But most of them fall under one of these categories. And it's listed that if you have this, then do this. Do it well. Do it cheerfully, some are said. Do it with zeal, others are said. And I love that in some of the gifts, it simply says, if your gift like exhortation, which would basically be translated in English language to encouragement, it says, if that's your gift, then encourage. <laughs> if your gift is to serve, serve. Now do it cheerfully. But in whatever we do, it is serving others in all of those ways. To use the gifts that God has provided and to know this above all else. You are gifted by Christ. God, through his son Jesus and his Holy Spirit, has gifted you to serve. And some of you... When you heard me just say that, went, no, 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 not me. 
Yep, 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 you. Because the scripture has no exception in that passage. We have all been given God's grace to use in whatever he has called us to do. I argued vehemently with God upon the call to pastoral ministry. I argued about my past and said, I can't be a pastor. Lord, you, you know my past. And he said, well, I've forgiven that, so it's okay. I said, well, I, I, can't, I, I can't be a pastor. And I just went down through a whole list of things. And to each one of those, he's going, I know that. I know that. And finally, what I realized is he was saying, it's not you anyway. You're just my vessel, as we just sang. It's what he puts in me that matters. Because if it's me, it's not going to work. If it's me, why bother? It has to be him in us. You are gifted by God. And your gifts that have been given are for serving, not saving. Make sure you heard that. The gifts God has given you are for serving, not saving. Nowhere does it say, save these up. It says, serve, give, lead, teach, encourage. It doesn't say, hold on to it for another day. Because God will give us what we need for that moment when we need it. Dr. Paul Cunningham was Jody and I's pastor for a while when I was finishing up college. He later became one of our general superintendents in our denomination. And he preached a message that I still remember the title. He came up with better titles than I do. But it was because the title encompassed the message. And the title got me curious. The title was The Supreme Adequacy of Christ. Now, my first thought was he messed up. He's a smart guy, but he messed up this time. I mean, adequate and Christ doesn't go together. And in fact, if something is adequate, how could it be supreme? But you see, the point of the message was... He is adequate for anything and everything you will need. Supremely so. And for whenever you need it. Why should he give you what you're going to need later? It's not later. He's going to give you what you need now. So do it now. Don't save it up. We have been gifted, every one of us, to serve others and thereby show the love of Christ it's in fact how we prove that we love Christ you see not only have we all been given gifts by God but number three we have all been given a place to serve those first three verses I read from that passage in Romans chapter 12 listen to these again 
For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. We are linked like the pieces in a jigsaw puzzle. You can look at a jigsaw puzzle that's been put together and remove a few pieces and probably still figure out what it is. But it's not how it was designed. The same thing is true for us. Now, when that puzzle is first dumped out on the table, it is a mess. It doesn't look anything like the picture on the box. It's frustrating. To which some of you just muttered, that's why I don't ever do those things. And generally speaking, you begin to put the frame around it. And then put everything else together. You see, in the body of Christ, each one of us has been gifted as well as each one of us has been called to a place to serve. In other words... We all have the same purpose, but not the same role. We all have the same purpose in following Christ and leading others to Christ and serving others and showing who Jesus is through how we serve. We have the same purpose, but we do not all have the same role. Those who are downstairs right now ministering in children's church or in the nursery Unless you've got children or grandchildren, you may not even know who's serving down there. But without them serving, it doesn't work the same. Without those serving who have prepared things before this service ever started, it wouldn't work the same. You see, we have places to serve, not all the same purpose, or not all the same role, but we all have the same purpose. In other words, we all have equal worth. That's why Jesus went to the cross for every one of us. We all have equal worth in his sight. He sees everyone through his shed blood. He has called us to serve. He's given us a place to serve, though not all the same role. So we've got to use the gifts God's provided. We've got to serve in the place that he has provided. And then we need to serve together. Coming together. That's what that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is speaking of, beginning at verse 4, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, a variety of service, but the same Lord, varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We are to serve together. We don't need any lone rangers. Now, you may be old enough to actually know that reference. Or you may be young enough to have gone and looked for the retro 
shows and made fun of them because of how stilted the acting was and how poor the camera work was and how silly it was to have a silver bullet that did something magical. The point of that show was here was this one person who could come in and save the day. It's basically all the new Marvel superheroes. Same theme. This one person is the one who can solve everything. It's great for mythology. It's lousy for life. And it's not as God intended. He intended for us to serve together. We don't need any Lone Rangers. We need each other. Reuben Welch wrote a book with that title many years ago. Because we really do need each other. How different would our witness as a body of believers be if we would exercise that fact? Living out, knowing we really do need each other. It matters. If we let those who missed a Sunday know we miss them. We know there are legitimate reasons at times, but just to let them know. You were missed. Why? The body's not the same when you're not here. I mean, those of you who abandon us in the winter. I have no bitterness. Because it's not winter. But you see, we really do need each other. It is not the same when we are not Gathered and serving together. The gathering is not so much this. We need this and, and it is part of our lifeblood, the encouragement that we get from it, the strength we get from it. But you see, we are serving together when we leave here as well. Knowing that we are serving. One of my favorite things on Sundays, I've told you before, I get here really early, about 5.30 or so. and I like being in the building for a while without any of you around. I love you and I love when you get here, but I like some time in here to prepare my heart as I've been doing all week. But one of the favorite parts of that is during my prayer time in here and walking around and touching the chairs. Yeah, even during COVID. Praying for you. Some of you have to pray two or three times because you keep moving on me. Is that every Sunday... While I'm doing that, I'll get anywhere from one to five texts from other pastors. And I'll send texts as the Lord brings to my mind. Sometimes all it says is praying for you. Sometimes there's something else attached. You see, we're not in each other's sight on Sundays. We're serving in our own places, and yet we're serving together. The picture of the body of Christ is joined together for the same purpose with different roles. And even if we are in different locations temporarily, to know we're still serving together. And then, if we're going to do this the way God has intended, we all need to seek to do good. We need to make sure that what we are doing is good. And in fact, we need to seek to do good. Not just occasionally, but it needs to be what we are looking to do 
1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The very first place I served in ministry as an, as an assistant pastor, mentor that's still a friend and mentor today, Pastor Dave would ask that every time we were considering anything different. What's best for the body? Is this what's best for the whole body? Not just what I want. What's best for the whole body? That means at times we don't do what I want. That means at times we don't do what you want. We do what's best for the body and what God has called us to. And if we're going to seek to do good, we have to have our eyes and our heart wide open. <laughs> we need to be looking for those opportunities. Have you ever noticed when you get a different vehicle, how many more of those same vehicles are suddenly on the road? I mean, I can't believe every time that happens, I mean, the, that very day, there's suddenly a whole bunch more of them on the road. They're all just following my example, I guess. I don't know. It's because I'm now noticing them because it matters to me. What if the needs of others became what we noticed because they mattered to us? And that we weren't just so busy on our own thing, but we were moving with eyes wide open. Our kids serve in Kenya. One of the neat things, Jody and I have been there a couple of times, love that country and those people. One of the things I love, though, is in their culture, it would drive me crazy on the time thing because to, to start at a, at, a, at a posted time means nothing. It's just that's, that's a suggestion. It's, it's not when we start. But what I love is that part of the reason that's in their culture is because if anywhere on the way to where they're headed, they meet someone else, they will not pass by. They greet them. And if there's a need, they stop and help them, even if they're on their way to something else. What if we lived that way? Eyes wide open and heart wide open. But if we're going to do that, we've got to let love and compassion rule and guide us. Seeking to do good by what God's called us to, to do. Seeking to do good by what he has gifted us to do. Seeking to do good because it's the right thing to do. A new commandment I give you. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Because by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Who are you serving today? Not just token, but really serving. How are you serving? What, what are you doing to serve? Are you seeking to serve, looking for opportunities? <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing if we were racing each other to serve? 
No, me, no, me. Get out of my way. I want to serve. I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> but that'd be a lot better than going, I wonder who's going to do something about that. Seeking to serve. My question is, is your service just to those who were on your side? Or are you seeking to serve whomever, whether they're on the right or the left? Whether they agree with you or disagree with you. We've been called to serve others. That's when we're truly the church that God called us to be. Jesus, thank you for your call. It's not always easy, but it is always right. Well, Lord, may we love what you have called us to. May we love how you have gifted each of us. And may we cheer one another on as we do our role for the same purpose. May we help one another when we're hurting to do what we've been called to. And may we live with eyes and hearts wide open to seek to serve, to seek to do good to everyone you bring across our path. Lord, may we do this because we love you. May we do this because we want everyone to know who you are. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.